From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Michelle McAdoo filling in for Mary Margaret Miller along with my traveling companion, Kamel King with Visit Mississippi. And as we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state letting you know about people, places, and events that make Mississippi a great place to live. Well, today we'll start our road trip in Oxford for the Stanley Friedman's Sojourner Truth Cantata. Next, we'll head to Starkville for the 22nd Annual Magnolia Independent Film Festival. After that, we'll stop by the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum and check out their new exhibit, Spirits of the Passage, the story of the transatlantic slave trade. And end the show with the hip-hop artist, Fifth Child. So hold on tight because we're going for a Mississippi ride here on Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. Donating your change to MPB just got better. Visit mpbonline.org slash support. Change donors are now change sustainers with instant benefits like passport streaming video and home delivery of our fine-tuning program. If you'd like to give a set amount every day, now you can. Donations are charged directly to your card, which means you can earn points and a tax deduction. Visit mpbonline.org slash support and become an MPB change sustainer today. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo sitting in for Mary Margaret Miller along with Kamel King of Visit Mississippi. So, Kamel, good morning. Good morning. I'd love to see you. I'd love to be on this side I'm of the screen. I'm telling you, uh, right? We be, got a good vibe I going. I know. We love Mary oh, Margaret. I miss we my miss friend. her. Uh, again, congratulations on the new baby, yes, Mary Margaret. Yes, yes. We Dot. love you. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy being on this side of the um, mic. You do it so well. Oh, I wow. mean, you are a veteran. Oh, well. But it's fun, you know, talking to our uh, guest and uh, getting sure. deeper into the stories, not just on the production side of it. It's it fun. Exploring Mississippi. Exactly. You know? That's what we do here every Friday. So if you missed any of our shows, you can always go back to mpbonline.org and listen to our past podcast and um, travel every Friday with That's us. Right. Okay. That's right. uh, so we're going to start this road trip off with our first guest, Dr. Stanley Friedman, member of the music faculty at Ole Miss and composer of the Sojourner Truth Cantata. Good morning, Dr. Friedman. Good morning. How are you? Doing wonderful. How are you doing? Okay. <laughs> well, I know you've had a a lot going on, and you've had your work cut out for you. And first of all, before we get started talking about the cantata, tell us a little bit about you and how uh, what you do uh, on campus. Well, I'm adjunct teacher, instructor of composition. Um, I until recently I was a member of the faculty brass quintet, and I've taught other courses in the music department at Ole Miss. Okay. So why don't you tell us, uh, before you came to Ole Miss, kind of your lineage and, and kind of what what crescendo, you know, to this point right here, all the things that, that brought you to Ole Miss? Well, I'm, uh, I was born in Memphis, and I grew up in Memphis. Uh, and then I, uh, I went to the Eastman School of Music for graduate degrees and uh, then lived all around the around America and around the world, uh, performing with major orchestras and composing. And um, I moved back to the Mid-South area a number of years ago and uh, was asked to come to teach at Ole Miss. So I've been doing that, teaching composition primarily, but also some other courses, and until recently with the Brass Quintet. All right. Well, speaking of teaching compositions, that was my first question. Let's jump right into the cantata. Um, this piece was commissioned by uh, Nicholas State University in Louisiana. How did all that come about? I was having a phone conversation a couple of years ago with Dr. Matthew Swihart, who's the trumpet professor at Nichols State. And he wanted to commission me to compose a piece for himself and his faculty colleagues. So I said, well, tell me about your colleagues. And he was telling me about the different people who have since come to learn uh, that they're wonderful, wonderful musicians, and, and we've become very dear friends. They're terrific people. Anyway, in the course of telling me about his uh, his friends there, he mentioned 
that they had a wonderful classical soprano, Dr. Valerie Francis, whom uh, Matt also described as the queen of gospel. Mm. <laughs> and as soon as he said that, I said, I know exactly what I'm going to write for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've been thinking about Sojourner Truth for a number of years, and then all of a sudden it just clicked. I'm going to write a chamber cantata for solo soprano voice and five instruments. And so the rest is history, as they say. Right. Now, Doctor, tell tell us how how does one take a story and then adapt it into musical form? Because that seems like the transition would be you know pretty difficult to try to translate to people. Well, with Sojourner Truth, I mean, she was an utterly fascinating, charismatic, and inspirational figure. I mean, I when I really got to know her, which is only in recent years, I, I realized this is a very important person in American history. She, she was born into slavery in 1797 in Ulster County, New York, north of New York City. She spent the first third of her life as a slave. And when New York State abolished slavery in 1827, she was finally free. And after wandering for some years, she had an epiphany. She changed her name. Her, she was born Isabella Baumfrey. And she changed her name to Sojourner Truth and dedicated the rest of her life to traveling around the free states, preaching for abolition and for women's rights and equal rights for all. And as I read about her, I said, you know, I've got to do something. I've got to do something for myself because I was so inspired by her, but also wanted to help bring her words to more people. Uh, so I did research. I, I learned as much as I could about her, and I uh, picked um, some of her speeches and her most famous and powerful, eloquent sayings, and I used those for the lyrics. I adapted those for the lyrics for the cantata and built a piece around that. Right. So this cantata actually has, you highlight five movement, movements of her life. Uh, can you briefly talk about the uh, five mo- movements that you start with number one and go to number five that uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see in the cantata? Yes. The first movement is entitled, I Told the Lord I Wanted Two Names. Mm. And uh, this is how she changed her name to uh, Sojourner. Mm-hmm. And I was particularly struck by the phrase, her phraseology. She said, I told the Lord I wanted two names. It wasn't, I asked the Lord for two names. <laughs> I told the Lord mm-hmm. I wanted two names. Uh, the second movement is Bound for Freedom. Uh, during the Civil War, Sojourner uh, helped uh, recruit uh, young black men to be soldiers in the Union Army to go fight for their freedom and the freedom of their brothers and sisters in the South. Hmm. And in fact, um, her grandson uh, was uh, joined the 54th Massachusetts Volunteers Regiment. And this was the subject of the movie Glory a few years back with uh, Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington. Uh, and that, that regiment was was wiped out uh, on a failed assault on a, a fort in South Carolina. I don't mm-hmm. know the fate of her grandson, whether he survived or not. Um, so the words for this Bound for Freedom movement are trying to you know, buck up the courage of the soldiers to, to, to go fight for freedom. Uh, the third movement is her most famous saying, Ain't I a Woman? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the centerpiece of the cantata. And uh, the background for that is she attended a women's rights convention in Akron, Ohio in 1851 and uh, was making a speech there. And during her speech, she was heckled by some guy <laughs> who couldn't believe that a black woman could or should speak out in public like that. He, he said, I, I think you're not even a woman at all. I think you're a man in a dress. Mm-hmm. And she responded, well, ain't I a woman? And mm-hmm. she told him, she told him, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, the, the fourth movement is um, uh, about uh, coming to the end of her life. She lived a long time mm-hmm. uh, into well into her 80s. 
and uh, uh, she uh, approached her in the end of her dates with a great deal of courage and faith, and uh, she kind of recounts her life, and, and she says, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to die. I'm going home like a shooting star. Mm-hmm. And she recounts that she spent uh, 40 years a slave and 40 years free. And she says, and I'll be here 40 years more to see equal rights for all. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and the final movement, uh, Rock This Nation Like a Cradle, uh, the final movement is kind of a summing up of her life's work and her philosophy and her faith. And um, this, uh, I, for this movement, I composed a, a, a spiritual gospel-style anthem. Mm. Um, and the, the verses of this anthem, as they repeat, as the verses repeat and are amplified and grow, uh, uh, the lyrics are different fragments of speeches that she made. All right. And she says, uh, she starts out by saying, uh, it, it, she, she's doing a real real preacher thing here. She says, uh, where will you be when eternity begins with all your guilt and all your sins? Mm, mm, talking mm. to America about slavery. Yes, indeed. She, wow. says, God, she says, God will take care of the slave, but for the master, there's only the grave. Wow. Mm. wow. So, uh, Dr. Friedman, can you uh, quickly talk about, well, let's just mention the names of the uh, performers in the cantata. We have Valerie, you said Valerie Francis. What do they call Valerie her again? Francis. The voice? <laughs> or uh, The queen of gospel. The queen of gospel. And, and you'll hear her. She, she is just, just amazing. Wow. And Shane Anderson on piano, correct? That's right. And and. Shane is the chairman of the music department at oh. Nickel State. Okay. Gustav Miranda on clarinet? Yes. And no, Mike... no, he's the percussionist. Oh, percussionist. Uh, okay. Gustav is the, is the percussionist. Uh, Michael Bartnick is the clarinetist. Okay. And Matthew Swihart is the trumpeter. And Jason Ladd is the tubist. Tuba. Oh, tuba tubist. Player. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, again, will take place this Sunday at the Newt Auditorium at 2 p.m., on the campus, of course, of uh, Ole Miss. That's right. And uh, also, let's talk a little bit, just quickly, tell everyone after the cantata there will be a lecture as well, correct? Well, it's going to be sort of all incorporated together. Yes, okay. I'm going to, uh, uh, we'll, we'll start out, uh, Val Francis will sing some spirituals, and then we'll have a little lecture and slideshow to acquaint people with Sojourner Truth and a little bit of the history and the background of this, and then we'll perform the cantata. And I think we'll hang around for a bit, and uh, people want to talk to us and ask questions. All about, right. Uh, us yeah, and, and, the, and Sojourner. And this is free and open to the public again this Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Newt Auditorium on the campus of Ole Miss University. Thank you so much for spending a little time with yes, us today, indeed. Dr. Francis. Um, where can people go to find more information about this cantata and your music department? Well, they can go to oldmiss.edu. Uh, they can contact me at stanleyfriedman.com. Okay. And we're going to go out with one of your, actually, songs in the cantata, Bound for Freedom. You can hear this and others this Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Sojourner Truth Cantata, Stanley Friedman's Cantata. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Have a great weekend. All right, well, it's time for us to take our first break. But when we return, we'll head to Starkfield for the 22nd Annual Magnolia Independent Film Festival. So don't go far, because we are on a wonderful road trip this Friday on Next Stop Mississippi. This is MPB Think Radio. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. 
Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. Donating your change to MPB just got better. Visit mpbonline.org slash support. Change donors are now change sustainers with instant benefits like passport streaming video and home delivery of our fine-tuning program. If you'd like to give a set amount every day, now you can. Donations are charged directly to your card, which means you can earn points and a tax deduction. Visit mpbonline.org slash support and become an MPB change sustainer today. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo filling in for Mary Margaret Miller, along with Kamel King of Visit Mississippi. Now, before the break, we spoke with Dr. Stanley Friedman about his Sojourner Truth Cantata happening this Sunday at 2 p.m. at the New Auditorium in Oxford. Now, let's welcome our next guest, Michael Williams, president of the Magnolia Independent Film Festival Board of Directors, to talk about their 22nd annual independent Film Festival. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you? I am doing great. Yes, indeed. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. Uh, and I can't wait for you to share all of the information about your 22nd annual Magnolia Independent Film Festival. That's a mouthful right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys say <laughs> mag. All right. So before we get started talking about the festival, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a filmmaker yourself. Right. Yeah, I'm a selector here living in West Point, Mississippi. Um, and I've been a MAG alumni since 2007, and it's kind of impacted my life throughout all, all these years, both at the MAG and also at other film festivals that kind of were born out of the MAG. Um, but I'm living here in Mississippi and working in Mississippi as a filmmaker, but also now taking on the president position at the Magnolia Film Festival to kind of ensure that a festival that meant a lot to me can also mean a lot to other people in the future. Now, Michael, the uh, festival is Mississippi's first and longest-running festival. You know, talk about how it stood the test of time and what has kind of kept it as a mainstay here in Mississippi. Right. So many people don't may not know, but the Magnolia Independent Film Festival was the first film festival in Mississippi, and it began in 1997 by Ron Tibbet. Um, he was from West Point. Well, he was from Chicago, but moved to West Point, Mississippi. He was a filmmaker, um, and he realized that. He made the film, and there was nowhere to show it. There was nowhere in Mississippi to you know, show independent films. There was nowhere to watch independent films. So he created the Magnolia Independent Film Festival in 1997, and that was the first film festival in Mississippi. And then that sparked you know, the Oxford Film Festival, the Tupelo Film Festival. Um, and even he had a role in helping revitalize the Indy Memphis Film Festival. So that one little film festival in West Point, Mississippi, that started in a um, – theater auditorium with no heat in the middle of February um, mm. kind of grew into this still it's very quaint film festival that inspired so many others and still has a really great reputation as a filmmaker friendly um, audience friendly intimate film festival now um, given you you did talk about the other festivals you mentioned the other festivals throughout the state how is this festival different from the rest right well what I love about Mississippi film festivals is they all have their own identity. Um, you know, Mississippi is you know full of character, and I think that is reflected in the film festivals that we have. You know, Oxford Film Festival has grown to be this very big event. It's an awesome, you know, awesome film festival, but it has its own personality that's different than the Mag. And the Mag is you know much smaller and much more intimate. Um, and also, the films we play are usually more edgy and more um, international. But also, we have a great support of you know Mississippi filmmakers and Southern filmmakers that are represented. Um, but you also have festivals like um, Afterglow in Grenada that's has own you know identity that's had you know Comic Con elements and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's what's great about Mississippi. You just have a very very diverse version of um, film festivals here. Now, Michael, outside of being a platform for independent filmmakers and you know short films and f- feature films, explain how you know film festivals are a springboard for producers alike uh, to get to the next level and to get exposed. Right. Um, one thing I always tell people, if you want to be a filmmaker in Mississippi, one of the first things you just do is go to every film festival you can find. Um, luckily, in Mississippi, there's a lot to choose from all throughout the year, and that's a way that you can go and meet people to either figure out you know, who's making what in the state or you know, who's looking for, you know, who's going to be bringing a film here next year. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of the jobs that I've, you know, the very first job that I got in film was back from the Tupelo Film Festival in 2005 when I went and found out that, oh, Southern Miss has a film program that I should go to. And then I found out that, oh, this person's going to be bringing a film to people, and that's how I got my first film job. So I always tell people, 
you know, go to film festivals, meet the filmmakers, meet the actors, and just see what's being created. If they have workshops, a lot of times there's very, very good um, education opportunities at film festivals. So, you know, we have a workshop that we'll be doing that's kind of how to be an emerging filmmaker and a thriving filmmaker in Mississippi. Oh, so right. if that's something you're interested in, you know, go to the film festival and you can meet the people who are doing those things and figure out, you know, how can I do it and how can I meet the people that are doing it. All right. Well, speaking of the festival, let's talk about this year's festival. Um, you can break it down. You have some feature films and some openings and matinees and closing. So let's start at the beginning. How many films will okay. you feature this year? We have 32 films. That's 28 short films and four feature films. And that's broken up into four different blocks. So we have a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday matinee, and a Saturday night. And each of those blocks starts with a um, seven short film block and then it ends in a feature film. All right. Now, your lineup ranges from drama to comedy, from narrative to documentary. And, of course, films all over the world from the U.S., U.K., Portugal, Italy, Denmark, and how do you? How does your committee decide what films to showcase throughout the festival? Is it challenging to narrow it down? It's definitely challenging. Um, you know what we have. There's a you know website that everybody submits through, and we kind of have a screening system where every film has to be screened by three or more people. It's rated, and then based on those ratings, it's what can be considered. Um, and if you have more than you can fit into the programming, you have to make some tough choices and kind of say, okay. We can fit this film in. We can fit that film in. So it's it's very tough, and sometimes you have to turn down really good films. Um, but I'd say that I'm proud of what we've got this year because the films we are showing are you know, the best that we had submitted, and they're a really really strong lineup. And I'd say it's probably one of the strongest lineups we've had in you know, many years at the festival. Well, speaking of the film, the opening night. Let's talk about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to feature Driven. What's yeah. Driven about? Right. Yeah. So Driven is a um, kind of a horror comedy thriller with a bit of a supernatural element, and it's about an Uber-style driver who picks up a client one night, and they go on a crazy adventure um, that just takes them, to, takes them to all these crazy places throughout town, and the entire film is shot from the inside of a car. So you never actually mm. leave the car the entire time. So it's kind of, a, oh, kind of wow. an experience, but it's also fun and you know, thrilling, and it stars Richard Spade Jr. from Supernatural, and the film was shot in Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm. Now, I was most interested in uh, the Saturday matinee feature film, uh, Nathan's Kingdom, about an autistic man's journey, finding his imaginary kingdom. Uh, I can certainly see how one can get lost in that movie. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about that one. Yeah, this, this film was really amazing. Um, when I was watching it, I was like, man, this actor who's playing this autistic character is doing a great job. And I didn't find out until after the fact that the actor is actually autistic. Mm. Um, so it's an autistic actor playing an autistic character, which you don't see very often. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that they you know, cast someone who was that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that guy will actually, is Jacob Lentz. He'll actually be at the festival with the um, filmmaker. Oh, wow. so he'll be there for the Q&A. Um, but the film itself is just you know, beautiful. You know, it's well shot. It's well told. And it's about his you know, older sister who's trying to take care of her autistic brother um but there are a lot of hardships that come with that and then it kind of is a way for them to escape they go on an adventure to try to find this imaginary kingdom that they created when um when they were kids oh wow that sounds neat now the closing night film will be in our bones now this is a documentary documentary tell us a little bit about this one yeah so in our bones is a documentary about a um, girl whose sister needed a bone marrow um, transplant but they didn't have a donor in the registry for her. So they decided that they were going to take, you know, six, eight months off of their, you know, their college years to go and travel all 50 states to sign up 50,000 donors to try mm. to find a match for uh, her sister who needed a bone marrow uh, transplant. Well, through the process, they found hundreds and hundreds of other matches. And one of those matches was actually in Starfall, Mississippi. Kayla Bridge from Starfall was someone who needed a, needed a donor. And this documentary throughout the process found a match and he was able to give him the transplant that he needed. Mm. We'll actually have Kramer Bricks there, and um, after the film, you have a chance to sign up for the registry. So on this magnanimous trip to try to save, you know, their family member, their sister, they end up saving other lives. And, wow, you just look at the path that you get on when you're doing the right thing and how it just, you know, ends up building tributaries to Mm -hmm. doing other things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and what's good about this documentary, too, it goes further than just that. It goes into all the – when you think about going on a road trip for six months with your best friend and your sister, you can imagine the kind of trials and tribulations they go through through that and what they learn about themselves. So it goes in so many other directions, and there's like – there's a lot more to it than just that, where you're like, oh, these, these girls really discovered a lot about themselves, about mm-hmm. the world, and um, it's really amazing. That is great. So you, I heard you mention um, um, Q&A after uh, each film. So what other activities are included in the festival besides uh, just the movies? Well, if you get the VIP experience pass, we have an opening reception on Thursday night, and then we also have an after party after the awards summit. This includes those two parties. Um, but we also have a VIP lounge where you can go get free food and drinks um, throughout the festival. Um, but if you're not doing the VIP pass and you just want to come and be um, your regular attendee, we also have a free panel workshop on Saturday morning at 1030 at 929 Coffee. And that's the workshop that um, goes into how to be an emerging filmmaker and a thriving filmmaker in Mississippi. And it'll be a discussion between um, John W. Bateman. He's a writer turned director who's kind of the emerging filmmaker side of things, and then also me as a filmmaker who's been working in the state for you know, over a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly. Uh, now, are there any other activities taking place outside of the festival? And, you know, what are kind of the plans looking forward to the next year? I, I, because I can only imagine how far out you've got to plan this film festival. Right. Um, well, in the next couple of years, we definitely want to grow. Um, we don't want to lose what makes the mag the mag and lose that intimate, you know, smaller experience of the film festival. But we do want to grow to be able to have more films, more activities, and we also want to be able to offer more to our filmmakers. Because when you're a filmmaker at the mag, we always make sure to kind of do what Ron did. And Ron always wanted to go and eat with the filmmakers, take them to do something fun. So this year, we're actually coming to West Point and having luncheon and then having a retreat afterwards for the filmmakers to kind of give them a taste of what Mississippi is about and give them a chance to network and bond. So in future years, we want to you know, continue to grow, grow upon that, be able to give more workshops to our attendees, but also be able to grow the festival, be able to showcase more films and really promote what Mississippi film has to offer, but also independent film from around the world. That's great. So again, the film festival begins on next Thursday. And what time will the films begin? And if people want to know more information about the itinerary, where can they go to find out more information about it? You can check us out on social media. We have an Instagram and Facebook, and that's Mag Film Fest. But you can also go to our website, which is magnoliafilmfest.com, and it has all of our information. You can buy tickets, look at our program. We released the program yesterday, so you can scan through and kind of plan out what films you want to see, or if you're going to see all of them, see what you're going to what you're going to get. Um, you can do that, and we actually start on Thursday, February 28th at 7 p.m. But doors will open at 6. So if you want to get out there early, you can. And Friday night is also 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, we have a workshop at 1030, uh, matinee block at 1 p.m., and then our closing night features at 7 p.m. All right. Thank you again, Michael, for spending a little time with us this morning and letting us know what is going on in and around your town. We're going to take another quick break, but don't go far, because when we return, we're heading to the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum for their exhibit, Spirits of the Passage, the story of the transatlantic slave trade. So don't go far because we're going on a ride right here on Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPV Think Radio. get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Beautiful as black, beautiful as black, beautiful as black, beautiful as black, beautiful as black. I write my way up out my mama house Now I'm dropping these cassettes until I'm out of debt Trina told me fifth they gotta set them commas out Feel like I let it down cause I ain't got it popping yet you're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo filling in for Mary Margaret Miller along with my traveling partner, Kamel King with Visit Mississippi. Now what you're listening to is Beautiful is Black. Beautiful is Black. <laughs> By our uh, hip-hop 
artist today, Fifth Child. Oh, I don't want to call him hip hop, or I just want to call him a musical genius. Yeah, That's what yeah, I want to call him. Yeah, he's but an artiste. <laughs> we're going to get to uh, Fifth Child in a second, but first, we're going to continue our road trip and head to the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum and welcome director Pam Jr. to the show. Good Hello. morning. Hi, Hello. Pam. Good morning. Yay. Good morning. How are you doing? I wish I could touch you right now. I love talking to you. I love hugging you. But, Queen um, Pamela. I can hug you from afar. I hear you, fifth child. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? I knew you knew it. So you knew you, I told him earlier this morning, I'm like, oh, Pam's going to be on the show. You guys work together a lot. And I know uh, he's done some spoken word. We're going to talk about that later on in the show as well. But yeah. first, we have to focus on this wonderful, wonderful traveling exhibit you guys have right now at the museum. Um, of course, yeah. uh, Spirits of the Passage, of the, passage. the story of the transatlantic slave wow. trade. Yeah. It's Super a, we, deep. We, we've really rooted in. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So I don't want to run out of time. So I want people to really understand how magnificent this exhibit is and why they need to come see this. Mm-hmm. So first of all, before we get started with the exhibit itself, tell, tell people a little bit about the transatlantic slave trade for those who don't know what that was. Well, what I what I say is that we think about the 12.5 million Africans who were kidnapped and uh, taken from their land to come over to the Americas. Only about 10 million of those made it. That 2.5 million died on the in the hull of the ship, or they were thrown over uh, because they or they jumped over themselves because they said that there was there was I know where I'm from, but I have no idea where I'm going, and home is better than anything that I'd be going to because they had no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. So we look at the 300,000 that made it to the Americas because we look at at a lot of these people were put on different ports to come over as not laborers but enslaved people. I will not use the word laborers because they weren't. That's right. They're enslaved people who came over and worked, and I am one of those people. My ancestors were enslaved in the Americas to pick cotton. And so what we're talking about in regards to the exhibition is is that we look at these people who were kidnapped and brought over. And the Henrietta Marie took two tours, as I call it, what I say, tours of duty. Mm-hmm. They went over, and they brought over, and one, one time they came over, they brought over about 400 people. The next, it was about 125 people. Now... They were told, the, the crew and the people that were a part of this ship were told that you can't continue to do this because it's against the law now. And But they repurposed the ship to a merchant slaver. And after they did that, they did two times they came over. The second time they came over, the ship sank heading home from Jamaica in 1700. And so... After all these years, 1972, Mel Fisher and his crew, they rediscovered the Henrietta Maria. Mm-hmm. And that is amazing because they were able to find beads, shackles, silverware, wow. all, types of art, art, all types of artifacts that mm-hmm. they found that were still intact. Mm-hmm. And so it gave a voice to, the, to the movement, well, or the uh, the slave trade uh, that we didn't know. It gave a voice to it. And you know what? Um, I don't know if this was your um, quote, but it was on your page, and it was so powerful for me. A sea of stolen lives, a ship that never landed, a voice unsilenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we came up with that because what I thought about is that the many people who didn't make it over. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're taking a spin on this exhibition. We're talking about the transatlantic slave trade, but we need to talk about the people. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I know because those people had the same strength, fortitude, and integrity that runs through my veins, that runs through the veins of you and the many people whose ancestors were a part of this transatlantic slave trade. So we need to talk and, and allow them, their voices to be heard. Mm. So we, we talk about, you know, what if they had made it up? Mm-hmm. 
Now, but, Pamela, from the, uh, you know, of course, from the American point of view, when people, I think, black, white, and in, in, in between think of the slave trade, they think of the white American and the, you know, the, the black African slave. But this is a global thing, and it was yeah. a global slave trade. So explain how important this uh, exhibit is to explaining how many countries and different people were involved in the tragedy of the slave trade. Oh my God! It's 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 even hard to do that because you think about the Dutch, you think about those people who were a part of the slave trade and going over to Africa and getting these people. We look at West Africa and how how vast West Africa is and the many people that were a part of the twelve point five million. Yeah. Twelve point five million people. Mm, mm, That's mm. a hard number to even grasp. And then you look at the different ports that they took people to Jamaica, to Brazil. All these people were all involved. All of this is involved. And it tells you how small the world really is, but how vast it is, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of the connections that were made. Mm. So let's talk about the exhibit itself and the actual uh, artifacts that we'll see. What one thing that you'll see that was very powerful f- for me is to see the shackles mm. and how small these shackles are. Mm. You know, we talk about that the children and the and the ch- the children and and the mothers were on the top of the deck. Oh, they weren't goodness. always in the hole, but these shackles show you that there were children in the hull of the ship too. Mm. And when we talk about the hull, that's the bottom of the ship. Mm. That's where all these people were packed in like a, like sard like a can of sardines. Mm-hmm. On there top were, of each other, correct? There, yes, there were no restroom facilities. You ate, you ate the food that was prepared for you. It could be a mixture of corn and meal. That's what you ate. Of course, a lot of people were did not want to eat. They protested, mm. and so they were beaten where they had to eat because this is cargo. Yeah, this is goods that are bring, being brought over. So they would shine your bodies up, wow, and, and, and make you able to stand at an auction block to be sold off to the highest bidder. Right, because we couldn't bring any dead cargo to uh, uh, no. our um, buyers. So no. we need you to be healthy and fit. Yeah. So we have to feed you a little bit at a time, but we're going to have to keep you healthy just as long, long as to get you to where we're trying to take you to. And if you didn't eat and you protest, the protest went on too long, you were thrown over. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And so think about See, I want people to imagine mm-hmm. these people that were thrown over are mothers who threw their babies Jesus, over. Jesus, yes. You no, know, um, this. I, t- I think about this exhibit and you talk about the importance of opening up the conversation. I'm a parent of a teenager and for me, I'm going to definitely bring her down there. But this uh, exhibit is important for our younger generation to understand the sacrifices that our ancestors made, starting with the slave trade all the way up to the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. and beyond. So there's no excuse for what you don't want to do or don't feel like Mm -hmm. doing today because of the sacrifices our ancestors made, not by choice sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and for them to see it firsthand. And you talk about the uh, beads and the uh, shackles and seeing it firsthand makes it real, not reading out out of a school book in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Talk about how important it is to walk through the exhibit and the uh, emotion that it brings. The thing that I, and and let me take you through as far as I, if if I were walking through, Mm -hmm. the first thing I think about is that, yes, civil rights, human rights, Mm -hmm. that that are still being fought for today. That was what I call the first, one of the first examples of allowing, of not allowing, but kidnapping people and bringing them to a place that they never knew about. So when you first walk in, you're going to see Africa at its best. You're going to hear the African drums. You're going to see what they call an egungun, which is a, a spiritual piece that people would put on. And the materials that are put on this on this piece are the fabrics from ancestors. See, Africa and, and the ways of living is very sacred. It was very sacred, and, and I'm sure it still is now. Very sacred, very spiritual. So you see this piece that is sitting there, and we ask people not to touch it because we look at it as an ancestral piece. You see, you, you see maps of Africa, and, and then you go into the artifacts of the Henrietta Marie. The, the bell that was on the, on the ship is, is in the exhibit itself. 
And as you walk around, we give you a chronological history of Africa and how it was and the first people that started going over and transporting Africans to, to the New World. All of that is shown. And then we take you into the hull of the ship where you hear the cries of the people. You hear the sound mm. of the shackles. Mm. And you go through this dark place. And once you come out, you go to the auction block and seeing how the Africans were treated and and fingers were put in their mouths to show their teeth. And it goes on from there to civil rights and and after the emancipation and civil rights and how it was for people saying that we want our freedom and we want it now. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember because, uh, you know, even the newer generations, uh, you know, and rightfully so blending together and not, you know, having such things like this on the forefront of their mind, you know, is a show of progress. Uh, but it's so important, important to remember the global view of the African and the global view of, you know, black people in uh, the degenerative moral state that the world was in at that time as it related to our people and how in the world did that moral fiber get that low and what do we do to make sure that it never goes back there again as far as the way the world views the African and the, and the black person. Yes, and that's one thing I'm, I fight for every day is to make our children understand what they come from. And to understand that the blood that runs through their veins is blood of Africa. And those people had the integrity and the strength and the fortitude that made them able to get here. We're not talking about a two-day tour uh, coming here. It took 30, 40, 60 days to get here. Mm, that was mm, hard. Mm. That that was very hard. But they made it because they're standing today. Exactly. That's right. And that's they what's made, so, so that's wonderful what about. Yeah, that's what we mm, teach about mm, you. Mm-hmm. And that's again, you go through the exhibit, you go through your emotions, and at the end of the exhibit, you realize that uh, we made it. Yeah. And we have. The fight is not over. We have to continue to be strong and continue to uh, withstand things that happen every day. Um, Ms. Junior, tell everyone where they can see this exhibit and when and how long it's going to run at the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. Well, it's located at the two Mississippi museums right here in Jackson. If everybody knows about the, the Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, it's upstairs on the second floor in the Megan Murley Evers uh, temporary gallery. There is a cost to go into the exhibit. You can call us and get that information. We can, and then you can go up. We have our tickets are different colors now. We have a yellow ticket for okay. the Civil Rights Museum, a blue ticket for the Museum of Mississippi History, and then a red ticket for the Spirits of the Passage. And how long will it be on display? Until August the 11th, which is my birthday. All <laughs> right, then. Well, I might come on that day and bring you a cake. We'll celebrate with you together and, watch the, and walk through the exhibit one more time. I'll be here. Thank you so much Thank for spending. Thank you for everything you do, Of course, Pamela. everything Bye. you do with the museum. and uh, Love y'all so much. Oh, so we love, we you. love you too. Thank you again for spending a little time with us today. We're going to continue uh, our road trip through Mississippi with our last guest and our musical guest, hip hop artist Fifth Child. More uh, than hip hop. He's more than hip hop. I hate saying hip hop, but you know, we're gonna, <laughs> that's just one of the things he does. Uh, stay tuned and you don't want to miss what's coming up next here on Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. Jerry Lee Rice was born the son of a brick mason in the Lowndes County town of Crawford in 1962. Rice is considered to be the greatest wide receiver in the history of the National Football League and before that enjoyed a record-setting college career at Mississippi Valley State University where the stadium bears his name. After being inducted into the college football and Mississippi sports halls of fame, Jerry Rice, a three-time Super Bowl champion, was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2010. This has been MPB Moments in Black History. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for this food that we're about to receive. 
May it be nourishing to our bodies. Bless the hands that prepared it and all the souls that receive it. In your name, amen. Want that feeling of freedom. Need that flavor of change. It's American pie giving me stomach pains. Maybe it's for the best, though. Maybe it's just a pep, though. Simply making it out the ghetto. Don't make it successful. Baby, the game is stressful. That pain will make you let go of your hopes and your dreams. All that made you feel special. Shame what we do for dollars. They be crooked as Creflo. Everybody's a star. And why we ain't looking celestial? See what happens when you let them listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Michelle McAdoo sitting in for Mary Margaret Miller along with Kamel King of Visit Mississippi. And today we've had a great road trip. Now before the break, we spoke with Pamela Jr., director of Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, about their Spirits of the Passage exhibit. Please go see that. It ends August 11th. Now let's welcome our musical guest to the show, musical artist, and hip hop artist, <laughs> Fifth Child. Welcome to the yeah. show. Welcome. Mama made it. And before we get started, let's talk about that progressive dinner we just heard yeah. the song coming in. Uh, why did you name it Progressive Dinner? Because I said that's our little inside joke. But, so you know what a progressive dinner is? You gonna put me on the spot like that? Put you on the spot right quick. He's doing that get to college stuff. So what a progressive dinner is is where let's say we have several friends and if we come to my house first and we have like several courses, we have the appetizers at my house and then we come to Coco Chanel's house and we have or Michelle McAdoo. No, no, I get it now. Here's the word progressive, progressively moving on to something else. Right, so it's. So it's really a double meaning. It's one, us all being a community and everybody pitching in to make sure that everybody eats and nobody's left out. But then also like a gathering kind of celebration for progressive minded people. So progressive, like a dinner for progressives. Well, look, Fifth, let's just get right to it. Listeners, if y'all don't know who this guy (laughs) is, okay, this man right here is one of the best producers, writers, musicians, Spoken spoken word, stage performers. He's the whole total package, and he's not a new kid on the block. He's been doing it. So, I mean, just give the listeners a quick synopsis on how you started out and how you've gotten to this point, which I believe and I claim right now this is going to be the biggest year yet for you ever i receive all of yes indeed (laughs) i started um writing when i was 11 years old uh, just in a composition book like a lot of other writers saying okay if i could write a a feature verse on this mob deep song what would i say Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) or this uh, this black eyed peas or this uh black star song what Mm -hmm. would i say and it went from that to recording over whatever instrumentals I could find until, you know, when I got to be and, and recording on um like karaoke machine mm. mixtapes, you know, just oh, like yeah. actual cassette tapes yeah. where me and my brother be trading verses and if we if you mess up, we gotta stop it and start all the way back over. Yeah. There's no punch ins or anything. So that to now being thirty two years old, having eight uh solo albums released and all on um all digital um digital distribution platforms mm-hmm. and um, hundreds of shows and all sorts of stuff. Well, how do you think you've grown from the beginning of you and your brother starting on the karaoke machine to now? It's exponentially. There's there's not even a way to explain to it. Quite, no, to explain it. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing that made me fall in love with it is still there. Mm. The the expression, the my love for hip-hop, my love for the culture, my love for music in general has stayed intact throughout it. So I'm not one of those artists that's been jaded by, oh, you know, the business. and the, Like, no, this is still mm-hmm. a lot of fun to me to create. What do you, what have you learned the most throughout the um, eight albums? To really be myself. Mm-hmm. 100% to, to make music mm-hmm. and be an artist according to my own terms. Hmm. So even with the the last project, I know we're going to get into a little bit later, but it's called Which Way Is Up. We can talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> so with the project, you know, I I just blocked out everything else. And I said, I'm not going to worry about making a song that sounds like this or a song that people will dance to or a song that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, make what is 100% true to you. Mm-hmm. And so in the writing process, I wrote the majority of the album early, early in the morning. 
and that wasn't on purpose. It's just because I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I took I took time off work. I took two weeks off work. So I had mm-hmm. a bunch of vacation days, and uh, I already had the music. I already made all the the tracks that mm-hmm. I was going to rap on because I knew sonically where I wanted to go with mm-hmm. it. But as far as I'm not one of those people that sits down and forces myself to write if mm-hmm. I don't have anything to write about, mm-hmm. you know. So I would wake up out of my sleep at 3 a.m. and open my uh, my little notebook. And whatever God spoke to me, I was just, it was just mm-hmm. coming out. And, and so that yeah. album is out now or? Uh, that album is definitely out that's now. That's out now. And it is so hot. I know. Uh, I mean, we I heard a little bit that. earlier, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from that album. That you're, you're, I, you know, I'm a musical person. Mm-hmm. Your tracks are so infused with jazz and different right. sounds. Right. You produce all of your own music? 99% of it. And yes. you know what I love is that you're starting to give, you know, and you and I talk about this, you started giving your viewers and your fans insight to how you make your tracks because, I mean, you're not just some sample guy. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you make a lot of this stuff. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, being an artist yourself, what's what's Fifth Child listening to right now? What is in your... What's Fifth uh, Child listening to right <laughs> now? You know what? I, I had a vinyl release uh, party at, at Offbeat, that. vinyl release kickback at Offbeat a couple weeks ago. And I told them, like, you hear the album and it sounds like, like one thing. But you want to know what I was really listening to the most when I was making it? I was listening to Cardi B. Oh, Lord. Good Money. gracious. I can't, I can't do Sis. the roll of the tongue. Do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, my God. I can't do it. I'm so disappointed in this. I'm like, man, I don't know what to tell you. The I'm new sorry. global like, influencer, man, Cardi B. Well, really, you know what? Man. That was my next question. Uh, what are your musical influences? There you Please go. There you go. Not Coltrane, hey, not Tupac. <laughs> No, really, when I was, uh, I, I listened to a lot of Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Was, if I was to say my, my biggest mm-hmm. musical influences, everybody had um, some kind of social message as well. So um, huge Jay-Z fan, huge Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, um, and, and a whole lot of jazz, a lot of a lot of obscure stuff too. Yeah, because I'm uh, listening to a okay. lot of uh, movie soundtracks and yeah. stuff as well. I can hear that jazz infusion in mm-hmm. your music. What's next for Fifth Child? What What are you working on now? What can we expect from you in, from you in the future? So what I have, well, I'm glad you asked. I have some stuff coming up. Uh, for example, tonight and shout out to to Dollar Black is um, first quarter exchange at Offbeat at seven o'clock. So it's going to be Dollar Black, Young Jules, Jody Boy, Dre Dice, and uh, Alfred Banks. And like I said, it's going to be tonight. Um, um, I'm just playing some tracks. I don't think everybody even knew that. So, oh, wow. surprise. Okay. Um, <laughs> then at the Kundi Compound is going to be the Rider Circle, and that's going to be on March 2nd. Okay. So, um, that's going to be a really cool thing. Uh, also, at the Creating Change campaign, um, March 16th, I'm not really performing at that, but shout out to Jeremy Forrest and Forrest Fitness. Okay, got to get your platform in. Right. Well, thank you so much, Fifth Child. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish we had more time to spend with you, but you're always welcome here at MPB Radio, of course. We want to thank you for traveling with us today and thank all of our guests for joining us. Dr. Stanley Friedman with the University of Mississippi's Music Department, Michael Williams with the Magnolia Independent Film Festival, Pamela Jr., Director of the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, and hip-hop artist Fifth Child. Fifth Child! Now, if you missed any of our show today and would like to hear past episodes, fifthchildmusic.com. Visit mpbonline.org slash next stop Mississippi to listen to our podcast. For Camille King, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Now stay tuned for our Friday's Southern Remedy for Women. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio.